Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 152. Enough is enough prayer rally in Baltimore while the criminals of the USCCB met at the Marriott across the street has motivated millions of American Catholics to resist the rot that comes pouring out of our nation's bishops. Church Militant established a formal arm of its apostolate called Resistance. This week we're going to meet the young man who Michael Voris has put in charge of that. His name is Joe Gallagher, and after having spent about an hour with him, I can tell you Michael certainly made the right choice. As you know, I don't like asking for your financial support. I always want a win-win situation whenever possible. Well, I've got a way for you to help this apostolate without you having to do anything you're not already doing. Everybody shops on Amazon. I've developed an affiliate relationship with Amazon. When you visit cantankerouscatholic.com and click on the episodes page, blog page, or about the show page, on the right-hand side of the page you'll see Amazon ads for Catholic books and merchandise. There's no price difference from Amazon's site, but if you click on something you're interested in and buy it, Amazon will pay me a small commission just for you clicking on that ad. It doesn't stop there either. Anytime you're on Amazon and find things you want to buy, send me the link to the items and I'll send you another link to click when you're ready to buy. You won't pay a dime more for the item, but Amazon will pay me a commission. That way you can help to financially support this apostolate just by doing what you were going to do anyway. Remember, visit the episodes blog and about the show pages to find catholic books and merchandise and send me links to other things you want to buy on amazon and i'll send you the links that will pay this apostolate a small commission 
and I thank you in advance for your support. As I said, Joe Gallagher heads up the resistance arm of Church Militant, and they have chapters in almost every diocese in America. I believe this young man, who I think is about 27 or 28 years old, was a great choice to coordinate resistance. He's certainly been well-trained for the job because he's worked at Church Militant since he was nine years old. Let's listen to my interview with Joe, then I'll wrap it up with a few comments. Joe, welcome to the Cantankerous Catholic. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me on, Joe. Oh, you're more than <laughs> welcome. Uh, it's the JoJo show, isn't it? <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Listen, Joe, you're pretty much a behind-the-scenes guy at Church Militant, so six-pack warriors have probably never heard of you. Help the six-pack warriors get to know you. Will you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Again, obviously, thank you for having me on, Joe. Uh, yes, I am certainly more behind the scenes. We work in conjunction with all of our resistance people throughout the country. So it's a lot less in front of the uh, camera at Church Militant when we, you know, we have all the news and the reporting. We're much more strategy and planning oriented. So definitely a little bit more away from the camera, which I am totally okay with. I personally, uh, let's see here. I graduated from Franciscan University uh, of Steubenville, an awesome Catholic college. Uh, I really owe a lot of my faith to, uh, to my time at Franciscan, I graduated with a bachelor's in clinical psychology, actually. Um, born and raised in the metro Detroit area of Michigan. I've been around Church Milton since I was nine. So I've been here for 15 years. I couldn't leave if I wanted wow. to. Uh, <laughs> I like to say that I was raised by a mother and an apostolate. So I, I've seen the entire growth of Church Milton from the one true faith, season one, episode three on hell. Uh, all the way until the next evening news show that somebody wishes to see. Uh, working on weekends. I even was doing prompter for a little bit when I was 11, when you, uh, prompters, when you, you work the script as, uh, the, uh, the host or the anchor reads, uh, to the camera. So I've just been, I've been around at CM for a long time and I think I've done almost every aspect of work here at Church Militant. I've worked in production, where we've gone on uh, shoots on the road. I've worked in our business administration, and I've worked with our technology department. I've worked in news, before, behind and in front of the camera. And now I, I oversee our flagship program, Resistance, which is our grassroots program. But I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, we will. Uh, before we started the interview, you thanked me for my military service. Well, I want to thank you for the service You've given to Church Militant and the church uh, as a whole just by being a member there, being a, uh, a part of it. Blessed be God. I, what else are we doing with our lives if we're not trying to not only save our own soul, but everybody else around us? If we're not trying to be tools for our Lord, then, uh, then I don't know what else is worthwhile. Amen. Joe, um, you head up the resistance group at Church Militant, but uh, a lot of people don't understand what that is. Will you please explain exactly what resistance is? Yes. In short, resistance is Church Militant's grassroots program that allows Catholics to restore Christendom one soul at a time. That's our goal. We want to see macro changes in society and in the church, but it's through micro interactions one soul at a time just like every single best-selling author 
starts off by selling their first book and their 10th book. Same thing here. We want to engage with people as personally and as intimately as possible. But there are also opportunities where we do have national pushes of things. And it's hard to give a concrete, detailed explanation because the whole concept of resistance is very much this all politics are local idea. What's happening in Los Angeles, California is going to be a whole different set of problems than what's happening in Detroit or in Dubuque, Iowa or in Orlando, Florida. But essentially, it's groups of faithful Catholics that want to come together, identify the issues that they're facing locally, and work with us at Church Militants to affect that change. Amen. Well, I, I like that. Getting specific, though, uh, is there any more specificity to this? Uh, what I'm asking is, what does resistance reasonably expect to accomplish? I mean, I know this is sharing the faith with pew-sitting Catholics uh, who really don't know the faith, and I know this is all about resisting the evil of the USCCB. Uh, you know, I, I, I shared with Michael one time that I believe at least 95% of Catholics don't know the Catholic faith. He told me I was being entirely too charitable. <laughs> yeah, she said that's conservative. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I was trying to be charitable. But, you know, I know resistance addresses that. Can you be more specific about what resistance expects to accomplish? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's really important to keep in mind that it the resistance's actions and activities, they manifest differently based off of its cultural context. So, for example, in San Antonio, there was a massive shutdown when the whole COVID nonsense began. And in San Antonio, what they worked to do was restore and observe, uh, the, the reverence for our Lord in the reception of Holy Communion, even amid a pandemic. I put that in air yeah. quotes. Yeah. And uh, so... To inspire people to stand up and to live out their faith. And that can, again, be like they did in San Antonio, where they all lined up to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. And when the first person, the captain of the chapter is what we call the leader of a local chapter, when he kneeled down to receive our Lord at the cathedral and he was told, we can't give it to you on the tongue, instead of him getting up, he knelt down his, his head. And everybody else in the resistance that attended that event behind him, that was their cue to also drop to their knees and to not move until Holy Communion was dis distributed. Amen. Now, you'll hear some people say, oh, you're weaponizing the Eucharist. And it, I, I just couldn't think that that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. The Eucharist is the source, of course, everybody who's listening, uh, listening to, to you, Joe, I imagine, would know this. I mean, it's the source and summit of our faith. And if war is being waged on that, it would be a problem for us to not go give the reverence which our Lord deserves in moments like that. So resistance identifies issues where the truth, where goodness, where the faith is attacked and we strategize to confront them. Another great example would be holy water being pulled from the churches. It's so simple and so tangible and easy to do. Handing out holy water 
to the parishioners who are coming in, standing out with a table outside of the parish with a bowl of holy water saying, they won't let you bless yourself out in there, so here's your opportunity to do it here. Things like that where it's, and what does that do? I mean, it's part of activism is bringing people's attention to issues in ways that kind of jar and shock the senses, just like any conversion or change of opinion does. If you want to get somebody's attention, it has to be out of the ordinary. So that's that's resistance. And there are other ways, too. We have some chapter members who throughout the country, and of course, we won't say who, who are on diocesan boards and they vote in certain ways around their uh, bishops and they give opinions that are more orthodox than others. It's, it's, it's hard to pin down because this is such a multi-pronged battle that we're just trying to set up an army of many. We're just trying to set up an army in front of every single one of these challenges, if that makes sense. Amen. Yes, it certainly does. You know, I have been thoroughly disgusted with the behavior of even the 30% people who believe in the real presence. They act like they're going to a picnic, even though they believe. Uh, I get sick and tired of, of, uh, people dressed to go to mass as though they're going to a picnic or a company party. Uh, I get tired of, the guy receiving communion and bolting right for the door. Uh, I get tired of all the chatter in the church uh, after, before and after Mass. I get tired of all of the uh, actions they do, a lot of people do in church, such as, uh, you know, holding their hands up or holding hands and all that kind of garbage. And I have a... Uh, I have a segment on the show called Catholic Boot Camp. I have frequently talked about the real presence, and I've talked about the uh, the behaviors we should have and that sort of thing, but I'm going to spend about the next three months, every episode, dealing with this issue of behavior at Mass and how we show respect or the lack thereof, to the Eucharist. I mean, I told my guys, I'm taking over the interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I told my, my brother Knights at our Knights of Columbus meeting one night uh, a few years back. I said, you guys dress like farmers when you come to Mass. I realize you're farmers. I'm in a very rural community. I realize you're farmers, but don't go to Mass dressed like a farmer. Good grief, if you had an audience with the Pope, you wouldn't dress that way for the audience with the Pope. Then why on earth would you dress that way for the Pope's only boss? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I was actually going to bring, going to mention something similar because people will hit you with, oh, but God is merciful and he's understanding and he loves me just as I am. Yeah, but also, you have an obligation, you have a duty to honor the King of Kings to the best of your ability, just like the, the widow who gives all that she has, who ties all that she has. Sunday best is not muddy boots. That's true. It's not sneakers. That's, That's very true. I, you know, I had someone come at me with that one time 
you know, he, he loves me just the way I am. I say, well, why don't you come naked? <laughs> <laughs> it's all because they haven't been properly catechized in the first place. Agreed. Absolutely. Is there any sort of, well, I think you touched on it. Is there any sort of training for chapter members? Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I want to preface this with is there are four people at Church Militant HQ that oversees resistance. It's myself, Alexander, Marissa, and Tony. So they're the, they're the resistance team. Uh, they've all, they've all come by uh, what I think the Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit does in assembling the team, uh, the, the team for himself. <laughs> we're just, we're just the people for whatever reason he chose to get together. Alex, Tony, Marissa, and I, oversee a program which right now resistance has four seven thousand people in it and we are in almost every diocese throughout the country so we have spent a lot of our time up to this point building the infrastructure the database the automations the website the processes for resistance right now we do have a curriculum that educates catholics on certain questions of the faith for example freemasonry or for uh, women and why we uh, believe in veiling at Mass when our Lord is present in, in the Most Amen. Holy Eucharist. Uh, things like that to educate. And the next step of that is going to be, here's how you execute a resistance operation from posturing to surveying location. A lot of it is military terminology and systems. We, um, we have a lot of people in resistance that have given wonderful insight that we're open with, open to, and take on and collaborate and build, build back better, as you know, old Joe Biden would say, uh, to make it put the resistance polish on it, and that's what we're working on right now. We do have a curriculum, and right now we uh, just put out and will be putting out a series on ways to accomplish what San Antonio resistance accomplished in restoring Eucharistic reverence by bearing witness to the reverence that our Lord is due in those moments. And that's step one. But we are working on that. And that's going to be the biggest focus for me overseeing uh, overseeing resistance in 2022 is making sure that this curriculum becomes not only educational in understanding the glories of the faith and the problem of these enemy ideologies, such as Freemasonry, but also how to act, plain and simple. Okay, that's great. Joe, the cantankerous Catholic audience is 61% Catholic men between the ages of 18 and 34. Uh, wow. But we have Catholics of all ages listening in 100 different countries. Six-pack warriors are here in America, but they're also in countries like Australia, Canada, Ireland, and England. Does resistance operate in those nations as well? And if not, is church militant willing to establish chapters in them? Right now, no, but yes. So, <laughs> no, we don't have any right now, but uh, yes, that is the goal. Once we have resistance at the well-oiled machine that we're developing it into, because we do have chapters that are operating just at awesome pace, they're meeting, they're executing operations, they're learning about the faith, they're bringing others along, they're growing. But once we have that replicated, as our goal is to do and are doing right now, every day we're on the phone with captains and trying to make sure that we're assembling what we need to assemble. I do want to bring it to other countries. In fact, we had a we had a couple send us an email, and they're from Australia, and they're just talking about how horrible it is. And um, obviously, this isn't 
This is in no way me trying to uh, toot my own horn or anything like that. It's just a matter of this is how committed and then some that we have to be to this mission. I told them, you know, guys, right now I'm not going to put any more on the team's plate. They have so much to do. But I also understand that America isn't the only country and America is going to get as bad as where Australia is right now, as we're seeing that their their armies and things are putting COVID patients, COVID victims, in quotes, and uh, the anti-vaxxers are pushing them off into camps. That's going to come here. Of course Amen. it will. And so it would be silly. It would be foolish, not only just as a Catholic from a moral perspective to reach out and try and collaborate with them, but it would also be foolish from a tactical standpoint to not engage in the future warfare that we know is going to come here and try and help out. It's quite literally, um, from a tactical standpoint, it's an opportunity to almost fight a battle in the future because it's not right. here in our country. But at the same time, we, I mean, we have to. There, it, it, we have to be able to link arms with Catholics in other countries. It, it's necessary. I hope that's an all right answer, Okay, Jeff. well, yeah, sure it is. I I have a follow-up then. Should six-pack warriors in other countries contact you for, like, maybe being put on some sort of a database for uh, where you can notify them whenever you're ready to go to their countries? Yes, and before I answer that, I forgot to uh, to mention the – there's a main point that I just totally forgot about because I went on a tangent. Um, so forgive me, Joe. It's going to probably <laughs> so, be a little yeah. bit of a pain in an edit. I thought I only old people like me did that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point was I, I told them over email, we were going back and forth. I said, you know what? I, I can't put any more on the team. But also, it would, I, like I was saying, tactically and morally, like it's our obligation to work together as Catholics and, and to serve everywhere we can. I said, I will personally work with you outside of nine to five at church militant, because this obviously isn't something that you just clock in and clock out of. You don't, you don't fight this battle when there's a paycheck coming in. You fight it when you open your eyes. Tell and me then when you close it. Yes. And so they would, it would be oh, dare, not dare I say wrong, but dare I say wrong for me not to try and engage where I can. So. In a circumstance to circumstance basis, yes, slowly but surely. Do we, do we have the capacity, the bandwidth to do, uh, international right now? Unfortunately, no. God willing, we continue to be supported by wonderful Catholics and we'll be able to hire on more folks, but, um, not right now. Should people want to still sign up and almost be put on a wait list? One I encourage to email us at resistance at churchmilitant.com. Let us know what's going on. Let's see if uh, we can try and work something out. And to definitely sign up and mark yourself as other when it's asking what diocese. <laughs> okay, great. I appreciate that. And I think my listeners are probably going to appreciate it too. Resistance is very well established in this country. Give the young six-pack warriors a reason to either get involved in an established chapter or to start one where there isn't one. To any young guy who's probably, you know, my age, give or take five or six years, if you're playing Fortnite and if you're watching TV and you're streaming on Hulu and you're watching Netflix, you're wasting your time. Amen. If you don't want to join resistance, fine. But you need to get outside and you need to get into the fight. 
our when we die, our Lord is not going to say, "Hey, how many uh, how many no scopes did you get?" That's for definitely for the young guys. Uh, and he's not going to ask how great of a uh, coin collection that we had, and he's not going to ask how good of a CEO you were. But he is going to say, how, "I gave you all of these talents, and you did it for these things. Now, how did you do it to save souls and your own?" And Amen. I'm sorry, it, it, that's that's my message. If you don't want to join resistance, that's okay. I think that it would be awesome to get some more young guys involved. Absolutely, it's our target goal. It's our it's the audience we want to reach out to. But I, I personally, and I mentioned this in Baltimore. I don't want to look back at everything and think, what more could I have done? And then only realize, if I only wasn't watching that show, if I only wasn't playing video games, if I only wasn't going out and drinking on the weekends, but if I was actually understanding that the time for recreation has totally gone to the side, it's gone. It's no more. We are literally at a point where sacrilege is committed on a daily basis throughout the country. Hourly. Hourly basis. Yeah. An hourly basis. The family is being utterly destroyed. It's more common to be in a broken family, it seems like, than you are in a nuclear family. Homosexuality is running rampant. They're forcing vaccines, quote unquote, vaccines into our bodies. And we're being segregated just because of our belief system. How in the world could anybody justify copious amounts of leisure right now? I get the idea of wanting to turn off the brain. I totally get it. But the difference between the left and Catholics, people of goodwill, when the left is done working, they get to recreate by doing drugs, by sleeping around, by swearing, by partying, by stealing. Our recreation is entering into the silence and honing more discipline and spending more time with our Lord and then going back into the fight. We have to run uphill towards the heights, as Blessed Pier Giorgio Prasadi says, verso le alto. We have to go verso le alto faster than the left and people of perdition run downhill, quite literally, towards hell. That's what we have to do. Yes, absolutely. You know, as you were talking, I I thought about something that I don't say nearly enough on my show. Jesus said, for every idle word you speak, you shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And if you think about that, anything that you talk about or that you do that doesn't have to do with God and carrying out our Catholic mission, it's idle. And if it's idle, you're going to be judged for it. I totally agree. The spiritual life is not a stagnant one. It's not. It's not where you, you, you excel and then you're stationary for a little bit and then you go back. No, it's totally dynamic. Every single thing that we do gives us an opportunity to cooperate with grace or to reject it. Every single moment. And when you cooperate with grace, you get an, oh, another door opens to where you can choose to cooperate again or to reject it. And absolutely that, and that's it. I totally agree. Absolutely. And I, I apologize if my responses have been a little long winded. I've just been. <laughs> After Baltimore, I'm just fired up, Joe. <laughs> oh, and you should be. The whole idea behind you and several other guests I'm going to be having is play. I, I picked up on it watching the live stream at the Enough is Enough rally, and it built a momentum, and I want to push that momentum because now is the time to do what we can do. Uh, well, it's long past time, but I mean, we have to really get involved now. 
And incidentally, you've got a, uh, you've got a very active resistance group here in my home archdiocese of St. Louis, don't you? Oh yeah. They're one of the, they're one of the star, the star chapters. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I am going to have to get in contact with the captain. That's Jason. So, okay. Yeah. I'll connect you guys after the show. Okay. Thank you. Right now, Joe, you're addressing 50,000 Catholics who are appalled at the direction the church is going in. And many of them, I deal with this every week, many of them contemplate leaving the Catholic Church. What message of hope and a call to action can you give them now? I have two. Um, One message that I try and share as often as I can is there is a certain chance, a pretty high chance, dare I say, that we will lose America as we know it. The church will shrink in astronomical amounts. But if all of 50,000 of your listeners, Joe, dropped everything that they were doing right now, and let's say that every all 50,000 were able to spend another, let's just say even 20 years, so 20 times 50,000, that is a million years of effort. And all that came of it, of that million years of blood, sweat, and tears, was the salvation of just one soul. It's more than worth it, because that one soul Amen. is of immeasurable amounts of value to our Lord. So we do want to take down the corruption within the hierarchy. We do want to stop these vaccine mandates and passports and global global uh, agenda that is right in front of our faces, yet somehow some people still ignore it. We see all of that, and it still might all happen. But if we can save our own souls, and if we can help bring another brother along, it is more than worth it. Absolutely. Amen. You know, I began this particular apostolate about seven or eight years ago. And from the very day I started, my work day has been from 3 a.m. till about 9 p.m. And in the beginning, when I touched maybe 200 people, folks would ask me, why do you torment yourself like that? Why do you work so hard for 200 people? And that was exactly what my response was. If one soul is saved, it was wor- it would be worth my life. Mm, exactly. You know, that's absolutely true. I mean, if, listen, I'm a convert. Whenever I became a Catholic, uh, as an adult, it wasn't because that was just the thing to do. It was because I made a conscious decision. As an intelligent human being, adult, to say this is true, it's been proven to me that it's true, I have to accept it. Well, the truths of Catholicism, they're irresistible. And in order to reject them, you have to be a person of evil will. It's not possible for a person of goodwill to reject the truth whenever the truth is fully given to them. And so, therefore, 
Once I became a Catholic, well, even while I was a catechumen, I began sharing the faith. And that's what I've done for 30 plus years ever since. Well, how do you get to evil will? I mean, eventually sin blinds you. And as yeah. Paul writes in the Romans, eventually our Lord will just allow you to give hand them over to allow them to hand themselves over to the demons. It's Absolutely. an act of mercy for God to allow somebody to persist in sin after a while because he knows that they will continually reject opportunities to convert. Why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. So eventually people become so blinded. They become so numb. You do have to ask yourself outside of one of them, like a, a grace larger than that of St. Paul, <laughs> given to St. Paul, how can some of these people convert? And you have to ask yourself. Absolutely. And six-pack warriors, pay attention to this. Just because, look, I've slapped myself on the back here repeatedly in this thing. I don't know why I have a tendency to do that. Just an arrogant moron, I guess. But even someone as active and as sold out and as much for this as any one person can expect to be, I can still go to hell. If you're a Catholic, that doesn't guarantee you anything. You're going to go to hell if you don't do exactly what Jesus said. And everything that we're supposed to do falls under one command he gave in Matthew 5.48. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's infinitely perfect. In other words, become a saint. That doesn't mean you're going to necessarily become a saint in this life, but it does mean that you have to cooperate with God's grace to get there. And if you're not actively working on that, you are in the process of condemning your own soul to hell. Just thought I'd throw that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I agree. I mean, and then it, that's just to build on that. Also in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter, I think it's chapter 10. People, our Lord says people will come saying, Lord, Lord, did we not perform miracles in your name? Joe, I don't know about you, but I have never performed a miracle <laughs> in the name of our Lord, our, of, in the name of our Lord. I've personally never done that. Judas, I think St. Alphonse, it was St. Alphonse de Ligori. Judas raised people from the dead. Amen. And look where he is. I, I also tell people it doesn't just it doesn't just mean learning the faith well. I mean, after all, Satan knows the faith better than you or I ever will. And what good is it doing him? So they not only have to learn it, but they have to apply what they learn. Okay, Joe, one final question. I promote membership to Church Militant all the time. Why do you believe six-pack warriors will benefit from joining Church Militant? Church Militant's resistance? No, just Church Militant in general. Everything about it. Well, uh, I don't think that there you'll find another Catholic news source that is as professional, as high-tech, and uh, as accurate as Church Militant's. I, I've worked here since I was nine. I've seen how thorough the process is for identifying certain information. I've seen the amount of effort, blood, sweat, and yeah, sometimes tears 
put into putting together these sets and writing these scripts and producing these shows and editing the content. I've seen how serious they take it. And I firmly believe that nearly everyone, if not everybody here at the Apostolate, truly are here because they want to serve Christ. Amen. And if that's the goal, then everything else will be done well. Yeah, you know, nobody's there just for the paycheck, are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I yeah, no. We're here. We're we're here because this is the message and this is what's worth what is worth fighting for. If we don't get to heaven, then our life was a waste. That's it. It was a waste. Amen. We spend an eternity knowing that we failed. Amen. Amen. And you know, I've been a loser most of my life in this life. I don't want to end my life as a loser. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Same thing here. I, I'd like to, even if I'll take the bottom shelf in heaven, as long as I'm on that side. <laughs> yeah. I, I've frequently told God, please give me just the dimmest lit corner of heaven and I'll, I'll be clean happy. The toilets. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> just let me in. <laughs> Listen, Joe, you're a fine young man, and I've really enjoyed being with you. Do you think maybe sometime in the future you'd come back on the show and talk about resistance again? Anytime. Anytime. Thank you very much for having me on. Okay. Well, I appreciate that from you, Joe. You take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you later, all right? All right. God bless. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. There's a link in my show notes for you to become a member of resistance, and I strongly urge you to join. I think you'll agree with me that Michael Vorce made the right choice when he tapped out Joe Gallagher to coordinate resistance. There's one thing that I really want to point out about Joe and something he said. When I was in my 20s, I cared about spending time with my friends, drinking and partying, and fishing more than anything else. I think that's common and natural to most young men. But look at Joe. He rightly told us that playing video games, partying with our friends, or streaming movies on Netflix is just a waste of time. And putting his money where his mouth is, Joe Gallagher, this 20-something young man, works even when he's not on the church militant clock. You six-pack warriors are made up of men and women of all ages, but as I said in the interview, 61% of you are Catholic men between the ages of 18 and 34. In the survey you took for this show a few months back, the vast majority of you earned between $75,000 and $125,000 annually. You have the resources, the youth, the mental acumen, and the physical ability to join in this fight against the defensive gates of hell and to save souls. But if you look into the mirror, you'll have to ask yourself what you're doing to advance the cause of Christ and, as Paul said, to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. As I'm sure you'll recall, during the summer I was pushing to develop a podcast network among you six-pack warriors. I let that dream go. I didn't stop working toward a network because the work was too hard. I didn't give it up because I'd bitten off more than I could chew. I gave it up because the few six-pack warriors who said they wanted into the network treated it like it was a hobby, something that they could just poke a stick at when they had time or the mood struck them. And do you want to know what's even worse? 
The only two people who've treated the idea of a network seriously were two women. While I'm grateful for those two ladies and intend to help them get their Catholic podcasts up and running, it's disgustingly pitiful that an audience made up of 61% young Catholic men have completely left the fight up to women. Well, if you feel that way about it, Joe, I just won't follow you anymore. Fine. Don't listen. Don't follow. But keep this one thing in mind. When you stand before Almighty God and he says to you that he made you a man and that men are designed by the nature he gave you to be a warrior for him, then he asks you how you served him as a warrior man. What are you going to tell him? I was taking care of my family and I was chumming with my buddies and I had a career to build. Those things just won't cut it. The time for leisure and relaxation are gone. Gone! I began learning about Catholicism when I was 29. I became a Catholic at 30. I've been in this fight ever since without interruption. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Do I have regrets about some of the things I've done? Absolutely. But I've tried my level best to be the sort of Catholic warrior man that God created all of us Catholic men to be. You have to as well. One of two things are going to happen within the next few years, maybe sooner. Either Jesus is going to return or a brand new era of martyrdom is going to begin, an era when they'll actually begin killing us just for being Catholics. If you don't man up, actually become the man God made you to be, Jesus will find you wanting, and the eternal implications won't be good if he finds you wanting. Whether it's his return or martyrdom, you're going to be standing before him very soon. Be a man. Be a Catholic man. Be a Catholic warrior man. The China virus lockdown suspended mass across the country. When restrictions were lifted, few Catholics returned to mass. Why? Because no matter how you slice it, American Catholics simply don't know our faith. In two different EWTN surveys of Catholics conducted in November of 2019 and February of 2020 respectively, 86% said that their religion is very important to them. Yet 82% reject at least one Catholic doctrine, 41% never go to confession, 61% don't attend Mass regularly, 70% don't believe in the real presence, 84% believe abortion should be illegal, and 55% agree with euthanasia. Clearly, American Catholics are completely or almost completely ignorant of the Catholic faith. If they weren't, these figures wouldn't be so dismal. Despite their lack of knowledge, it's nearly impossible to interest them in catechesis they need so desperately. Well, I've got a remedy for that. Introducing the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts, which are endorsed by Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. Everyone reads the Sunday bulletin, and these bulletin inserts provide a thumbnail catechism lesson that is anything but typically boring catechism. They not only tell readers what the church believes, but why the church believes it. In the parishes where these bulletin inserts are already being used, parishioners love them. I know because I get emails every week telling me so. If you're a parish priest, you can get three months of what we believe, why we believe it to try it out for free. 
some laity get subscriptions for their parishes as well. To learn more, click on the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Insert. It just requires 11 minutes of your time to see the video. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Washington Examiner. On CBS's Face the Nation, Dr. Anthony Fauci accuses Senators Ted Cruz and Rand Paul of lying after they accused him of funding gain-of-function research. They're really criticizing science, because I represent science. That's dangerous, said Fauci. Cruz fired back, noting that Fauci's testimony on May 11 contradicts an October 20 letter from the National Institute of Health on the funding of -of gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Let the fight begin! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 4 Hats off to Newsmax. Governor Kathy Hochul issued an executive order to postpone elective hospital surgeries in response to an increase in COVID-19 cases. The governor cited concerns about sufficient hospital staffing. After a court ruling on October 29, the state of New York no longer grants religious exemptions from the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. You're an idiot! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to the Washington Examiner. Seven children remain hospitalized one week after the Christmas parade massacre in Waukesha, Wisconsin. A total of 16 children were admitted to Children's Wisconsin Hospital after the attack. Six people were killed when the suspected driver struck more than 60 people with his SUV at high speed. That makes me sad. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News News Pick pick number two. two. Hats off to the Daily Wire. NBC's Chuck Todd called on the Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves to accept vaccine mandates as pro-life, while also suggesting abortion as a right. Todd told Reeves, you could argue a vaccine mandate is a pro-life position. Then Todd asked, why should the state of Mississippi tell a woman what she should do with their body? Reeves said, my heart aches for every single one of those individuals who has died because of COVID. Over 10,000 Mississippians. My heart breaks for every one of them. Since Roe, 62 million babies have been aborted and therefore killed. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number one. Hats off to the Washington Examiner. Kevin Nishida, a retired police officer, died after being shot while protecting a news crew reporting on a smash-and-grab theft at a clothes store in Oakland, California. Kevin was a son, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a co-worker, and a friend, the Coma Police Department stated. He will be dearly missed. 
California has experienced a rise in apparently organized robberies after voters approved Proposition 47, which reclassified felony theft under $950 as a misdemeanor. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair! It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. I recently had a convert scheduled for an interview who's an expert to speak about contraception and natural family planning. I'd suggested to her that she listen to a couple of the episodes before coming on the show. She took my advice. Then she contacted me and told me that she wouldn't come on the show because of the way I spoke about the USCCB criminal empire and the corruption in the Vatican leading all the way up to Pope Frank. She's just one more Catholic living with her head in the sand, and I told her as much. You know how it is when you're driving down the highway and come across a really bad car collision? You want to avoid seeing the mangled car and the mangled bodies, yet you can't help yourself. You rubberneck to see anyway. You can't help it. It's part of our fallen human nature. Well, I hope she's that sort of person and comes back to listen to my show, especially this Catholic boot camp, because this is an especially bad car wreck. This week, Simon Rafe gives us an introduction to the next eight weeks of information from his thickest file. Over the next eight weeks, he's going to prove from published documents who the agents of darkness in the church have been since Vatican II. I hope that as a result of what Simon has to say, you begin making changes in your own Catholic life because you realize that these evil men have duped you into believing you've been doing the right thing. Let's listen. Do you ever wonder how we got here? How we ended up where we ended up? I don't mean in the general sense. We're here in this veil of tears because Adam ate the apple and we keep on eating it. No, I'm talking about the church. How did she get in the mess she's in today? Oh, and don't tell me she's not in a mess. Oh, the church herself is holy and indefectible. No argument there. But look at parishes and dioceses all over the world, but especially in the West. Look at the crazy stuff that goes on. Banal music, man-centered liturgies, legions of Eucharistic ministers, people chattering during mass, and that's if they go to mass at all. Liturgical dancers, people dressed like they're at a barbecue. The list goes on and on. We opened up the files and identified some of the more egregious abuses, talked about why they were wrong, and asked how we got here. The answer is pretty simple. All these abuses can be traced to a Protestant influence in the church, an influence that emphasizes man over God, that blurs the distinction between the sacred and the profane, between priests and the laity, even between men and women. All of these abuses are oriented, consciously or not, towards one thing and one thing only, shifting the focus of the liturgy from God to man, shifting the attention of the congregation from the sacrifice of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ on the altar to literally anything else. 
It's a diabolical plan to deny Catholics, if not the sacraments themselves, the most efficacious presentation of the sacraments. It's a plan to lead men away from heaven so they slip into hell. Now, if you ask the men who were and are behind these changes, they'd never say that. First, if that was their intended goal, they'd never admit it. But most of them don't realize that is what they're doing. They think they're helping. They have the laudable goals of making the liturgy more accessible, of getting greater participation. They honestly think they are doing the right thing. Of course, when the effects are seen, the decline in mass attendance, the denial of doctrine, the wholesale collapse of the faith in the Western world, their intentions are all but irrelevant. At best, these men are useful idiots, unaware of the damage they are causing. At worst, well, it doesn't bear thinking about. Willing or duped, innocent or not, these men are agents of darkness. They are doing the work of Satan, striking right at the heart of the Catholic character of the Catholic faith, chipping away at the important distinctions between God and man, sacred and profane, leveling the glorious spires of the church's doctrine to a low, flat-roofed, whitewashed warehouse. Which, coincidentally enough, is what they did to architecture. As I said, these men are likely, hopefully, unwitting agents of darkness, useful idiots being used as a cat's paw by Satan. There aren't any judgments made here about subjective guilt or intention. That said, it's hard to believe they were innocent when you see how one particular change was rammed through against canon law, against tradition, even against the Pope himself. That change was communion in the hand. There's a reason that this is the thickest of the files, and not just because this particular abuse, and it is an abuse, is such a brutal assault on belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, which is the source and summit of the Catholic faith. That alone, the implicit to denial inherent in the cavalier application of this liturgical innovation, would be enough. But there are other reasons, and in many ways they are worse than the abuse itself. This is a thick file because this case, more than any other, was a deliberate attempt to Protestantize the Church and deny the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Mass and the Eucharist. A planned, orchestrated attempt carried out by men sworn to serve Jesus Christ and uphold the teachings of his Church. And it was a very effective attempt indeed. Today, in most parishes, it's rare to see anyone, let alone a majority of people, receiving the Eucharist on the tongue. Not only that, but reception in the hand has become almost mandated by priests, bishops, and their scurrying legion of Eucharistic ministers of Holy Communion. If you try to receive the Eucharist in the manner Catholics received it for over a millennium, that is, kneeling and on the tongue, you are often discouraged, ostracized, or outright mocked. We've already talked about why communion in the hand is such a terrible idea. That was this file. I don't want to retread that ground. Instead, we're going to look at how the ancient practice of the church of receiving on the tongue and kneeling was undone in just a few short years following the Second Vatican Council. But not because of the Second Vatican Council. You can look through all of the documents of Vatican II, and I know because I have, and you won't find a single reference to allowing communion in the hand. And that surprises many people. They naturally think that because the change happened after the Council, the Council must have called for it, encouraged it, or at least allowed it as an option. Nothing is further from the truth. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Malcolm Cardinal Ranjith has to say. I think it is now time to evaluate carefully the practice of communion in the hand, and if necessary, to abandon what was actually never called for in the Vatican II document Sacrosanctum Concilium, nor by the Council Fathers, but was in fact accepted after it was introduced as an abuse in some countries. 
At the same time, speaking of communion in the hand, it is necessary for all to recognize that the practice was introduced as an abuse and hurriedly in many places within the church right after the council. Cardinal Rangith wrote those words when he was Archbishop Rangith, the secretary of the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments. Two years later, he was elevated to Cardinal by Pope Benedict XVI. He wrote them as part of an introduction to Dominus Est, It is the Lord, written by Bishop Athanasius Schneider. In this gem of a book, Bishop Schneider talks beautifully about the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and eloquently calls for an end to communion in the hand and a return to the ancient and reverent practice of reception kneeling and on the tongue. But of course, you know that and believe it. We've been through this file before, and that's not why we're here. We're here not because of the why, we're here because of the how. And Cardinal Rangith's words strike right at the heart of the question of how we got here. The Second Vatican Council ever mandated, encouraged, or even allowed communion in the hand. The practice is nowhere to be found in the prevailing and perennial tradition of the Church. Canon law didn't allow it, and specifically forbade it, in all but the most obscure and specific of circumstances. And, to put the cherry on top of this bleak Sunday, the Pope himself, and not just one, spoke out against it. So, how did we end up here? We ended up here because of the machinations of, at best, useful idiots. It was the concerted efforts of agents of darkness bringing their own power, prestige, and intelligence to bear on the church in order to further their own man-centered agenda. It was an organized attempt to change Catholic practice into something more Protestant. There were behind-the-scenes meeting and votes, skullduggery and obfuscations, deceptions and lies. Most Catholics have no idea this happened. Most Catholics, even good ones, have swallowed the lie that communion in the hand was called for, was allowed, was legitimately introduced. That it's good, preferred, the best way. None of that is true, and we can prove it, and we will. These were deeds done in the shadows by, witting or unwitting, agents of darkness. Most people, most Catholics, are blissfully unaware of the plots that were hatched behind the smiling face of the Church of Nice. But there's a paper trail. There are documents. There are records that can be found and put in their proper place. And that's why I've assembled my team, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to find these documents, follow the paper trail, and chase down the truth. We're going to expose shadowy deeds done by agents of darkness to the light. At the end of this, you'll know the secrets they want to hide. You'll know who and how managed to upend over a thousand years of Catholic tradition nearly overnight. You'll have all the tools you need to fight this liturgical abuse. What you choose to do with that information is up to you. For now, I've got to go put my team to work. Have you ever really explored the Cantankerous Catholic website? Did you know that I have six of my own books available there? Did you know that I have t-shirts, sweatshirts, and coffee mugs available? You can accomplish three things when you buy some of my swag. Your purchase helps to support this apostolate. You'll have something to display that says you're a six-pack warrior. And you'll look just plain cool. How many Catholic apostolates can make you look cool? Click on the Joe's Stuff tab at cantankerouscatholic.com today. Let the world know you're a cool six-pack warrior.
the Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Anthony of Padua. He said, Actions speak louder than words. Let your words teach and your actions speak. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. The saintly Archbishop Mermelot of Switzerland had the pious custom of paying a last visit to the Blessed Sacrament every evening. Then he'd lock the doors to the cathedral. Returning to the altar, he'd make a profound genuflection, kiss the floor as a sign of reverence before Jesus in the tabernacle, then retire to his home. Believing himself to be alone one evening, he finished his devotions as usual. When he'd risen from his knees, he was startled by a noise. Suddenly, the door of the confessional opened and a very distinguished lady stepped out. What are you doing here at this hour, dear lady? the archbishop asked. I'm a Protestant, she answered, and I've been present at the sermons you've given during Lent on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Your arguments have convinced me of the truth of this doctrine. Only one doubt remained, and that was, does he himself believe what he says? I wanted to see if, when you were alone, you'd conduct yourself before the Eucharist as someone who believes in it himself. I'd resolve to convert if you practice what you preach. I want to become a Catholic. The lady became one of the most zealous Catholics of Geneva. The Archbishop worshipped God in the Eucharist by these daily acts of faith, love, adoration, and prayer. His worship was so sincere that the example of it brought a soul into the church. Is your worship of God, your acts of faith, hope, and charity just routine? Catholics should preach what they believe not so much with words as with their example. If they did, there'd be many more converts to the faith. Hey, six-pack warriors, before you leave this episode, be sure to go to my show notes and click on the subscribe link. Just pick Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music, whichever one you want to subscribe through. You don't have to subscribe to hear the show, but the more subscribers there are, the more these platforms will make the cantankerous Catholic known to Catholics looking for good podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. The more reviews, the more the show gets shown to Catholics looking for good podcasts. And I thank you. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.